In this episode of Perfect Organism, our contributor and head admin of Building Better Worlds, Connor Murdoch, sits down with Stevie J. Douglas, the director of Alien 3, the unfilmed script, which premiered in Glasgow, Scotland at Webster's Theatre, October 3rd through the 5th of 2019. This is a delightful conversation covering the Alien series, the production itself, and how it all began. This interview was recorded before the show premiered. Please keep that in mind as you listen. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Um, so just, I first heard about this on our Building Better Worlds Facebook group and you just posted this up and it's quite unique actually having something up here in Scotland because it's usually either England or the States where all the alien stuff's happens. Before we get into discussing the stage play, do you want to tell us how you got introduced to the franchise? Right. Um, I've been an alien fan since I was about... Uh... 13, 14. Um, I was brought up in Northern Ireland, which is probably not really anything to do with it, but it came on TV one night. I still remember the date. It was the 11th of July, 1983. And uh, and we were sitting sort of watching it. In fact, it's coming up with the anniversary on and I think about it. And it came on TV one night and I sat and watched it with my mum. And uh, the movie just sort of stuck with me. You know, I grew up with it, and whenever it was on, this, you know, whenever it was on telly or whatever, I, I would sit and watch it. And even to this day, like I'm 48 now, and it still sort of terrifies me. And I still see different things in it all the time. And I sort of got into the sort of into the sort of stories and all the sort of stuff that all came about it and grew up. I'm a big horror fan, so I sort of grew grew up with the film. And then when obviously Aliens came out. And then Aliens came out a few years later, and then we got Alien 3 in in 92. Alien 3, as you probably know, it sort of splits the fans down the middle and how they feel about it. And uh, and as we probably know, it's a a lesson on how not to make a movie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then we had Resurrection, and then we had the, the AVP stuff, and Prometheus, and you know, and Covenant, and all that sort of stuff. And I've always sort of, I've always, even those sort of weaker franchises, the, the weaker entries into the franchise, I've always enjoyed them for what they are. You know, like the AVP ones, okay, they're utter mince, but but I think I find it, I find the first one just good knockabout fun, you know. If you take it for what it is, it's just sheer ninety minutes of popcorn, you know. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And then um, you remember Alien War? You probably Alien War in Glasgow. Yeah, because I remember there was the original one down south in England, and it got moved up to Glasgow. Was it? Well, it was actually the other way around. It, it started in Glasgow. Did it? Yeah, the first one. It was. It was started by two Scotsmen. Um, Gary Gillis and John Gorman and um, they were sitting watching Aliens in the cinema one night and um, one of them had the idea, said we should bring that to life and they did and that's a whole other sort of story but uh, I ended up um, actually being a Marine in the last run of it and that was one of I I dabble in acting I run a company called Scare Scotland and um, we do sort of interactive horror stuff and uh, basically, we build mazes and hunters go into them, and we chase them around. And um, I've sort of worked in them on and off for fifteen years. Say my 
proud moment was being a, was being one of the Marines in the last run of the Alien War. But I helped out behind the scenes in some of the early ones. So that was me getting literally hands-on with the franchise. And I got to be the big bad Marine. Corporal Steel was my character's name. And uh, I got to run around with a pulse rifle and shoot aliens, you know. A lot of folk would like to do that. But I've, through the years, I've just... I watch it when it's on TV. I own, God, I'm looking over there just now. There's various different versions of the movies, you know, box sets. And you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I know how it is. <laughs> yeah, and then buy, buying, the, buying the memorabilia, you know, the models, the masks, you know, and, you know, in fact, I'll just show you, you look over there, you'll see, you know, there's a big alien head over there somewhere. <laughs> you know, there's... I've got the posters up in the wall. My missus goes crazy with it. But she's like, are you putting up that up there? I'm relegated to one room. I can't put anything in the rest of the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, she's quite sort of good that way. She'll go, you know, there's a, over, just over there, there's one of the Alien Covenant posters and uh, I insisted that I had to go up, you know. And... Is that the, the mural one? Yes. Yeah, yes, I've got one up there. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cracking poet. It's a cracking mural, like you know. But yeah, so I've I've collected various things from it over the years, you know, and I try and pick up some rarities and you know, just try and find the sort of things that may be out the ordinary that from the franchise that, that you can buy. And I probably watch them at least once, twice a month. I'll pull out a box set and I'll stick an alien movie on. It seems it's my go-to thing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's very much a case of like. We don't have anything to watch. Oh, we'll stick one of the alien films in. It's always I, something you can watch. Yeah, but I've always been fascinated. You know, I was getting a bit older when sort of when Alien Three came out. Um, you know, that sort of was it was becoming more adult orientated then, and that movie always stuck with me. Alien Three, them all. I mean, it's just see, I like them all, but Alien Three always it always something about it with me and then all the stories started coming out about how it was made and you know the the various unmitigated disaster that it was and considering the mess of a movie that was going on behind the scenes i'm surprised they even got one out yeah you know it was and what we got on the cinema in the cinema from fincher although it wasn't his full vision there's a great movie in there dying to get out I completely agree. Uh, I never knew about the behind-the-scenes stuff with the making of it until I think I joined the podcast because yeah. I liked the movie for first off and then I read into it and I was like, Jesus, this is insane, the amount of stuff they went through, the amount of writers and scripts. Yeah. Well, I actually met one of the actors from it, uh, Carl Chase. I met him at a Comic-Con and no one really knew who he was. It was... It was a bit of a shame for him because he was sitting at this comic con and they invited him along to sort of sign autographs and stuff like that. And most people knew him. He'd been in the he'd been in one of the Batman movies and I, I can't remember what one. But um, most folk knew him from that. But I knew, and he was wearing his Alien Three coat, and he's sort of sitting there and he's sort of looking a bit lonely, you know. And I went up to him and I started speaking to him and got into him about the sort of nitty gritty of a bit. Alien 3 and what his experiences on it were and um, and I said did you, and I asked him a question, I went did you see any of the, the sort of arguments and the screaming that was going on and 
And he said he actually saw very little of it. Um, and he was on it for, for almost three months. And he said, but to him, it was quite a positive experience. And and when they did the reshoots for the ending, he was, thrown to, he was flown to Hollywood and him and the rest of the cast sat in a five-star hotel for six weeks, not doing anything with their feet up until 20th Century Fox decided what they were going to do with the film. Jesus. And, yeah. And, um, but to him, he said it was a positive experience for him. He didn't see any, any of the, the nonsense that went on, not much of it anyway. But he's, he's quite a minor character in it anyway. But, but he, he said he saw David Fincher sort of shouting a few times, but nothing he'd never seen a direct, any director do before, you know. But he was, it was quite an insight, sort of hearing from the, from the horse's mouth and how the actual movie was made. And it was after that, when the, it was Empire Magazine, I think, sort of released uh, some of the, the concept art from, from, the, from the Vincent Ward script that was made, because that was probably, with the other scripts that were written, that was probably the one that got closest to being made. And um, because Vincent Ward was on it for a year and then he sort of washed his hands of it. But the concept art was made and I saw this concept art and it just looked fascinating. You know, and then I, then I heard the script was doing the rounds on the internet and um, I sort of went, okay, well, where is this script? And I sort of did some Google searches and I found it. And, um, well, I found a version of it and it, I read it and I just thought, this is... I, I can't even, I can't make my mind up if it's a it's a toss up between genius and insanity. <laughs> yeah, that's usually the best ones though. It's the most yeah. interesting. And he took the he was, and it looked like he was taking the franchise into this. He was taking it somewhere it hadn't been before. You know, with with, with the first Alien movie, as you know, we've got. You know, it's about claustrophobia. It's about sort of, you know, all the sort of nastiness and exploring yourself and, you know, male rape and all, you know, all the sort of things that he explores and the sexuality and all that sort of stuff. And we'll get Aliens, which is an all-out action movie with a bit of depth in it, which is a rarity. <laughs> Never did you know? it <laughs> Yeah. And then you've, got Al- then you've got this Alien 3 script set on this wooden planet with monks. And I'm like, what was he thinking? You know, but as I, as I was reading it and reading it, I realised it was more than that. You know, and when the the, the character Ripley isn't isn't what's the best way I could without sounding arty farty, <laughs> it, it sounded like it was the 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 alien was after our soul. Yeah, it's even it's amazing actually how many sort of. Themes went from the Vincent Ward scripts to what we got in the final product. And it was interesting seeing how they rewrote some of the characters into sort of like Dylan and, you know, in 85 and all that sort of stuff and how they developed from what was on the Vincent Ward script into what we got because they were writing Alien 3 as they went along. Yeah. Considering there was four or five scripts sitting and they've got sets sitting built and then they decide, oh, we'll just make this up as we go along. And you're like, what? When you've got this sort of script sitting there, serviceable, you probably needed a bit of editing here and there, but it would have worked as a movie, I think. But it would have took the, the franchise into 
wild directions. You know, even more. You know, we see in Prometheus where it explores sort of spirituality and God and all that stuff. Vincent Ward was doing that before Prometheus. Yeah, I can't you know? remember um, what script it was, but there was one of them where they had the aliens essentially join up into a single form, like some sort of transformer. And I was just reading it, thinking, "Oh God, thank yes. God, thank absolute God for what we got." <laughs> That was a bit insane. That one, I can't remember who wrote that one, but um, but some of them were just like they, they were just churned out, you know, because they, they, they Fox, I believe, had already committed the money to make Alien Three, so they were they had to get something out, and I think it was delayed by a year. It was um, was it all the sort of politicking that was going on? I um, can't remember the exact. Dates, but I do remember that before anything was even filmed, do you not remember they released that trailer where it was like on earth, everyone would hear scream? Yeah, and it was a and it was a chicken egg that was <laughs> <laughs> And that was before they even had a script. I've I've done quite a lot of research into Alien Three and sort of stuff, you know, and stuff that maybe not so much doing the rounds on the internet and whatever. And realising going, what were you doing? You know, there was Sets built they didn't use, and you're like, you know, and you know, making a movie is hard. I, I, I dabble in the movie industry and TV industry, and it, it's a hard job, you know. And anyone who gets a movie out, no matter how good, bad, or different, you know, when you get it out there, that's the hardest bit. And they get they got this thing out there, and it's like, how did you do that, considering everything that happened, you know? And but they got David Fincher just because he was a young director and he was a guy they could control. That's what they thought, you know. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest sin of Alien 3 is the fact that he'll never come back to it. It's sad. It's sad. You know, and, and you have, we have seen interviews with him and I've actually heard on the sort of grapevine that when he's promoting another movie, you know, when he did Seven and Fight Club and various other things that he's done, that when he's interviewing, when he's interviewing about them, you have not to ask him about Alien 3. It's in his brief. Even it's not to be mentioned, and he calls it that film. Wow. Yeah. And um, you know that's how it, it nearly destroyed him as a director. You know, and he'd done loads of music videos, and you know, and you see his body of work now, and you see what could have been. But we have the longer cut now on the the box set, and you know, and then everywhere. A pet hate of mine is when folk call it a director's cut. It's, it's not, not. no. <laughs> Do you have a preferred version between the original and the assembly? Yes. I've got the oh, I like the assembly version, it's got to be, isn't it? Yeah. it ties up a lot of the sort of characters that just like the Gallic character and the theatrical version just disappears. Yeah, that was that was just stupid. How they you know, that? Then wasting a wasting an actor like Charles Dance. You know, an actor of that quality and you you know, and he's. You don't get. I don't think they got the best out of him. You know, and they, yeah. they could have killed or killed that character off later on, or he could have went more on an adventure with Ripley. You know, but but hey, and then obviously killing off Hicks and Newt at the very start. You know, there's all that. <laughs> That's everybody's biggest bugbear, but I I wasn't bothered by it whatsoever. I can see why he did it. You know, and I was I was shocked by it when I went to see it in the cinema. I was like, "You are kidding!" After everything he went through, you know, but I can see why. I can see why it happened, and why why he wanted it, because he just want he wanted to punch you in the face from the start, you know. And, and 
everybody was emotionally attached to that sort of family unit that was created in, in, in Aliens and and it was taken away from us in Alien 3 and everybody was like, oh, oh God, you know? And whatever you think of it, it's there. And when I remember they were talking about this retcon thing and all that with Neil Blomkamp. Oh, Neil Blomkamp, that's still a, that's still hotly debated amongst the team at Perfect yeah, Organism. Hi. <laughs> but do you know, no matter what you think of Alien Three, and it's there. It's part of the. It's part of the. It's it's part of the story. It's part of the. It's 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 part of it. You know, no matter what you think of it. It's part of everything that happened. You can't just have, oh, we don't like that anymore, let's go and make another one. Yeah, that really annoys me because, in my opinion, the, the three of them combined are a perfect single story. There's no need to bring Ripley back. What would you explore if you did bring her back? I, mean, well, I think Resurrection sorted that one out. We're going, we're, we're, it is what it is, that movie, you know, but um, they don't need Ripley anymore. No. You know, they should, the character died at the end of the end of Alien 3, as far as I'm concerned, you know. And, all right, Resurrection is not strictly Ripley in a sense, but still, I think she's just done it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't blame her, why not? Of course. I mean, it's cool that she wants to return. She seems sort of, she's talking about it again and, you know, and maybe resurrecting Ripley again. But I don't see a call for it. No, I think our story finished at the end of Alien Three, and but that well, that's where my love of the franchise comes from. That's a big sort of long-winded way of sort of saying it. But you know, and I mean, I got I've got an alien tattoo on my arm. I've got Wheelie Wheeling Jack Mutani on my arm, and various other things. And I like to shoot, and I'm I'm actually very proud to be an alien fan. You know, because people see it in my my missus looking at me, and um, <laughs> people. I'm quite happy to sit and talk about it for hours and end and bore the backside off of folk about it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it is a very niche fandom though, because a lot of us have to go and say like online. It's like very rarely you'll find someone locally that you know. Like I've got a good friend of mine who's we grew up watching the films together, but apart from that, I don't know anybody in my social circles in real life that's a big fan of them apart from my wife and that was lucky I think I pretty much indoctrinated her into that <laughs> I think I'm the same with my season what? you're used to it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I mean a lot of my friends will watch them if they'll, I'll put it on and they'll sit and watch them but they, they don't they enjoy them but they don't sort of go but where my outlet is is the Scare Scotland thing yeah tell us about that because I'm really wanting to hear about this well, Scare Scotland is a company I made. We started about, oh God, seven years ago. And it came from the sort of scare industry, which I was sort of working in, doing Alien War and various other sort of shows. And um, it's like you said earlier, there was a lot of sort of companies were bringing these things to Scotland. And they were coming from abroad, England and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, we're more than capable to do this ourselves. You know, so the, 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 the Scare Scotland thing is to sort of bring folk who want to work in the horror industry together. We do a lot of zombie stuff, right? We've, we've done TV movie, we've done TVs, we've done movies, music videos, various, various other things. We have a lot of fun with it. 
And um, so whenever there's sort of creature acting, so whenever a sort of TV show or a movie needs someone who can move in a certain way or whatever, they'll give me a call and say, can you get somebody who can do a xenomorph? Can you get somebody who can do a Michael Myers type thing? You know, yeah, we can do that. And I've got a sort of group of folk who we can sort of lay out. And, and um, yeah, well, that, that's an, a quick idea of what we sort of do. We don't generally put our own shows together, but we'll sort of help folk out. But I saw it as an outlet to 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 try something on my own and create something on my own. And um, there was a group in Ireland did did a read through of Alien Three, but they did the the film version. And I sort of emailed them and I was like having a chat with one of the guys from that. I mean, well, how did you go about it and stuff? And he said, well, we just sat around a table and we recorded it. Mm, nah, okay, I like the idea, but. No, everybody's seen the movie. Let's do something different. So this, the old script that I'd read, the Vincent Ward one, popped back into my head. And uh, yeah, okay, I had to read through it. And it started off as a bit of a laugh. <laughs> as all projects do. As all projects do. I've got a few of my scare Scotland guys. I says, right, okay, let's just do this for a bit of fun and see where it goes. And it started off sort of again, seven folks sitting around a table, and um, and we just started reading the script and having a bit of fun with it, and and then I just started as a, just putting a bit of sort of little bits of stage direction in it. So well, well, why don't you stand there and walk across here where you're saying that? And then we've got a guy called Alec who see Alec, can you be the alien? Alec's tall, you know. He's like Alec's like six foot eight, you know. Alec, can you pretend you're an alien? Just grab him and then drag him away and kind of pretend you're ripping his throat out and stuff. And Alec's like, <laughs> you know, and was, he's like, yeah, no problem. And we met up for a few weeks doing this and we realised we had a stage show in our hands. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we're doing it for ourselves, but can we perform it? Can we actually do this in front of folk? So a year ago, a year or so ago, we did it in a small venue in Glasgow. And uh, just a back room in a pub, and it was just a sort of spare, empty area they had. They let us use it. And we let some friends know. We sold some tickets. It was only an audience of 40. That's still a sizable audience for a first go. Yeah, but we used it to learn a lot from it. and <laughs> And they really enjoyed it. You know, so uh, we, we we did it. This, we did we did it for over two nights, and um, we sold it out both nights. And um, we actually had three shows. We did two in the Sunday, one in the Saturday, and uh, we sold it out. And then so I was speaking to some of the audience afterwards, and they were like, hey, "What did you think?" And they're going, "Oh yeah, we this is, we really wanted to see this. We were, there was a sort of geeky type audience that came anyway, and they were sort of taken aback at how good the story was." Even the, the sort of ludicrous parts that are, <laughs> you know, there's one point in it where they find a sheep, right? I'll give you one of the scenes here. They find they, they find a sheep in a barn, and the sheep turns round and its backside is a human face. I remember the concept art for that. Yeah, as you can imagine, we had fun doing the props for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we yeah, you, you've got to watch some of the, 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 the pictures of this thing. You know, you've seen the concept art. Like, watch running through this guy's head. 
So some of the challenges was that's a, it was getting what he envisioned onto a stage. And the other challenge was it's a film script, not a theatre script. Yeah. So how do you sort of, you know, and it's sort of written with sort of scenes in mind rather than being on a stage. So we were working around that. So we turned, we actually created a character, our own character, who the person who, when you're reading the, the, the movie script, the, the, the action's written out. So we turned that into a sort of a narrator type thing who would keep the story flowing. And um, so that was that. That so that really really worked. But the the problem we had was the script was two and a half hours long. Jesus, it's a long script, yeah. And so we we were one of the things. I, that's the feedback I got, Stevie. The people in the audience, Stevie, my arse was numb. <laughs> <laughs> so where we are with it now, we've had to edit it a fair bit. We've got it down to about just over ninety minutes. The biggest challenge was getting a two and a half hour script down to an acceptable an acceptable length where folk aren't sitting for hours going out, you know. In a movie you can do that. So we had to get it down in down we've got it down to under 90, 90 minutes, ninety four minutes I think we timed that at and you cutting with bits out without compromising too much. Because you've got to respect the work that's in front of you. And um, so I think the version that we have is workable. And it keeps the it keeps it moving along at a good pace because it, this script is very slow moving and it's very sort of very it's very talky and it's you know and, and so we cut a lot, we cut out quite a lot of the sort of exposition and and then he, it was quite a lot of argument of what's what we considered a major scene and what we didn't. But yeah, I think we've we've agreed it, and I think we're what we've got will work better than what we did before. When we did it in the smaller sort of the, the venue that we did it in in Glasgow, um, we had a really good cast, and and then a, 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 one of the girls who's around runs her own theatre company called Shows in a Shoestring, and she spoke to me and thought the show had legs, and we should do something with it so I arranged to meet her and she got us she just she said I'll produce it you direct it I thought I was going to be replaced to be honest <laughs> and um, she she got us Webster's Theatre in Glasgow which I think holds about 180 people and we've been working on it since and she's been doing all the sort of producery things whatever producers do <laughs> <laughs> I actually have always wondered that myself. I was like, money? what exactly do they do? <laughs> yeah, you know, she's a hard taskmaster, believe me. But one of the things we have, the problems we have with it again, as well as funding it. Um, you know, we're fortunate we're, you know, we've, we've got a decent theatre. But we've, Last time we, we just covered the actors' expenses, but this time we're sort of paying them properly and, you know, we're making it a full, full professional production so we're we're currently sort of fundraising for it and we've actually got a fundraising night tomorrow night in, in Glasgow and stuff and just to sort of make sure everybody all the crew and staff are all sort of looked after and the actors and whatever because I think you were, we're asking a lot of them and they've got and they are professional actors at the end of the day professional theatre crew so they, they deserve to be to be paid and it's the least we could do 
for letting them what them them working for me in a sense were bringing my but a passion and vision to life, you know. But we want the thing to be challenging to folk as well and let people see that Alien isn't just about getting chased around by a big monster. Because That's this conception I've always hated. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not a monster movie, you know. Although it's we we know it started off that way, but once sort of various things come into play. But this one explores this alien this version of Alien Three just explores the human psyche, you know, and even the you know, the, the when they meet the you know, the android in it and stuff and you know, and even the android is different and you know, we and you know, we've got we had Ash and Bishop and Call and all that. But this one's called Anthony and and it's totally different. And there's a more it's although they sort of touched on the sort of the bishop thing wanting to be human and all that sort of thing, the Anthony character in this is even is isolated away for years because the monks on this planet have have basically shut down anything, the machinery or electronics or whatever, they've pushed all that away out of their lives and he's been locked away. But when Ripley eventually encounters him, it turns out he's been locked away and he's actually started to go insane. And, it, it is a, and it, he starts during the thing exploring his humanity and it makes Ripley explore hers and what the agenda of the alien actually is. So, and she starts exploring her spirituality and so do the other characters as well. You know, and, and I just thought it was absolutely amazing the, the direction it went in. And I felt it deserved to be seen in some form. There's no way we'll ever get the millions of pounds to film it. So <laughs> I just I couldn't think, even imagine building that wooden planet set. Honestly, I <laughs> I must be. I, I, I'm sitting here imagining. I was thinking before we started the call. I was like, wooden planet. That'd be that'd be quite. I wouldn't say simple, but less complicated to do a set for and then I'm like, wait, I've looked at the designs no, it's very, very complicated <laughs> Yes, well how we're going to do it is, obviously we can't, due to budget constraints and, you know and various, I want to, we're going to suggest a lot of the thing by light you know, we'll have little bits of sort of that ground and see it so to, to show it's, this planet is made of wood but um, we're going to be sort of it'll all be done by colours you know, there's there's a bit in it where they spend a lot of time in a library and the books are all chained up and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so we're, a lot of that, a lot of the action happens in there. And then there's a courtroom thing. There's a huge kangaroo court sort of scene. Sort of happens where they sort of doom Ripley to hell in a sense. You know, and because that's what, again, that's what's. I'm sorry, I'm going all different directions here, but uh, don't worry about it, man. Honestly. It's, it's, it's sort of exploring that as well, the sort of heaven and hell thing. You know, down in this sort of, the the, the, the bottom of this planet is like the prison and it's dark and there's nothing down there, just pitch black. You know, and Ripley gets put down there and then you've got the bit up above where, you know, there's fields and, you know, there's, there's fields and there's corn and it's all, everybody's all happy, but it's a pretense happy. It's, it's an illusion. I don't want to give the twist away. That's because there's a big twist in the film, actually, in the in the script. But there's what it, you know, what 
the, the wheel of Utani in a sense have created an illusion of sort of a sort, you know, and uh, and it's about exploring that as well of what's what you see is and what you always get, you know, and and as about people you you having to change as a person to survive and get through your life, and it's about lo and it explores loyalty as well. You know, there's a, a character who's a young monk in it, and, and he sort of falls in love with Ripley, and it's against everything he should. And you know, and he's he was he turned and he's he's a doctor in it, so you can see where that was rewritten into Clemens, yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, obviously the scene in the movie where the two make love and whatever, he can't do that in this, but he, he sort of he's looking at her with sort of loving eyes, and as the sort of script goes on he sort of and then he's got to make a choice in it i'll not tell you what that choice is but it comes to a point where he has to make a choice of where his loyalties lie you know and that that choice is quite sort of devastating for 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 himself and a couple of the other sort of major characters in the script but it, it, it explores a lot of things that the the previous movies didn't touch on you know and for me, that was just, it was, I just wish they could have made it. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm, I haven't read the Vincent Ward script for a good couple of years. And um, right now, listening to you, I'm thinking, I should go back and read this. I'm like, no, wait, wait to see it, wait to see it. <laughs> well, we'd love to have you there. You know, we'd love to, we'd love you, you, you and the, your podcast folk to come. You'll be, oh, as, yeah. of course. I think it'll probably only be me unless we can somehow kidnap Jamie and Patrick from across the pond. All right, well, fair enough. <laughs> I'm the only Scotsman here. That's why I was really looking forward to this episode because the podcast has been taken over by Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Freedom! Sorry. <laughs> but we're, we're going to, we're, we're hopefully going to video it. So, you know, we'll maybe stick it in YouTube or something like that, you know? Yeah, because it's very interesting the fact that you guys have started this. And we also had the North Bergen High School play for Alien Day. Yeah, that was. Do you know, see when that got, I was pleased for them and pissed off at the same time. <laughs> they stole the funder. And then I saw the videos appear on YouTube, and then they got bloody Sigourney Weaver to support them. And they, <laughs> you, know, you know, it was. You know, but I'm I'm actually trying. I'm working on maybe trying to get one of the Alien Three actors to come up. Ooh, any chance you're going to tell us who it is? I can't. I really can't because he's there's two of asked eighty five. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> and um, he's very uh, he's very non-committal, and uh, there's, there's there's another another he's one of the sort of lesser known guys in it. But uh, I've sort of sent a few emails around and see what we can do. Um, it would just be even if he comes up in the first night or something, you know. Yeah, just to make an appearance, it'd be. Yeah, really if he good. just comes up and says hello, or even sends us a video or something, good luck with it. Because I ain't no way we're getting Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> we could kidnap her. Have you seen the size of her? She's six foot three. You have a six foot eight friend. We'll manage. No, we're right enough. Well, that that was some of the things we've come across as well. You know, we've we've had to make our own Zeno costume. Yeah, I'm really been wanting to ask you about that. Well, we we 
I came across, we've got to, you've got to be very careful with using stuff because um, basically because of copyright. Yeah. And um, the, the Giger estate wouldn't be too pleased. So we actually got some of the, the old alien warheads, alien heads, and we've sort of redesigned them a little bit because we don't want them coming and sending us any lawyers' letters or anything. Because <laughs> they are very protective of the, of the franchise, as you would imagine, because they make a lot of money out of it. Yeah. Just in royalties alone for figures and comics and whatnot. No, we're very lucky that this script is in public domain. And, we, uh, and we've also given Vincent Ward his place, you know, because uh, we emailed him through his website and stuff. And we worked with a group from, I don't know if you know, but Vincent Ward's from New Zealand. And uh, we worked with a, a we worked on a show in the Edinburgh Festival a couple of years ago, and there was some of it, and that was a group from New Zealand, and they, there was somebody on there who knows him a little bit, so he's given them the sort of the news that we're doing this, and um, and I emailed his site, and he he basically responded with one word, yes, <laughs> cryptic, yes, <laughs> because he. he my understanding is that he's more or less washed his hands of the whole thing, even though he puts it on his it's on his website where he, if you want to go and have a look at the script, but he, there's and the, the concept art is there, but there's he is what it is, but it is. We're going I to could, do it anyway. I can see where like they're coming from. Maybe not to David Fincher's extreme uh-huh. where, but if you put your heart and soul into conceiving this, and for some reason one or another it doesn't go through, you do sort of want to forget it. I can see where maybe they're coming from from that. Yeah. Well, you know, Vincent Ward and his other writer, they were on, they wrote, it took them six months to write that script, you know. And then they worked in the, and they were in pre-production for then a year. A full you know, year. God. Oh, and then they're, then, they see what's going on. I think he saw the writing on the wall, to be honest. And I think he, do- he thought he was dodging a bullet, you know. But, uh, I suppose he more or less did, in a sense. We'll see. But hey, he's not—he's he's not told us not to do it. So <laughs> you've got a cryptic yes, so that's just that's <laughs> proclamation enough. <laughs> and I told the producer Effie, she went, "He's not got that email." Safe. Like, <laughs> 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 <Saved. laughs> Behind a password lock, no one touches it. But we're going to have a lot of fun with it, one way or another. Has it been uh, somewhat stressful just to bring all this together? It's been a stressful bit of starting the next few weeks, but um, when we start the sort of major rehearsals for it, because I had to change some of the cast around a little bit, because when we did it the first time, we let this we let the cast come on to the stage with their scripts. So even though they were dressed as monks and all that sort of stuff, they were coming on to their, they, they were coming on with their sort of scripts in their hands, and uh, but this time we're we're we've got to be off book, if you want the technical term. So they're coming on and they're going to be, and I, I just feel it'll bring the best out in the characters, and the best out in the actors who are doing it. And um, the the girl we've got playing Ripley is a girl called Ruth Brandon, and uh, she, you know, ten out of ten for her for taking on a character like you know Ripley, you know. I, there's a lot of actors, you know, or you ask you, right, you're, you're playing Ripley from Aliens and they'd run a mile. You know, got no way, because it is such, it is such an iconic character and 
but she's brought something to it as well. She's 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 she's, she's put her own stamp on it. Interesting. She's put her own stamp on it, but she's remained faithful to the character as well. You know, and 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 I wouldn't want her to go out onto that stage and do a carbon copy of Sigourney Weaver doing it. You know, it'd be nice, but no. And I, and I encouraged her during the initial rehearsals. She said, look, I want you to put a bit of yourself into this. What do you, you think the character is like? Because she actually hadn't seen an alien movie. And I suggested, well, go and, go and watch one and look at the character and maybe watch the second one and see how Sigourney Weaver developed the character. You know, and cherry pick what you want. And... You know, and then I want to see the for so forty percent of it's a copy, the rest of it is our own. And I've got to admit, it blew it blew me away. You know, and just watching her and and especially in this script, was a lot of emotional turmoil Ripley goes through. You know, and again, spoilers here, but uh, during this script, Ripley is basically starving to death. She get, there's there's a, a point in there she discovers that if she if she eats she's also feeding the alien inside her and obviously that's a danger to what is going on plus she's being pursued by an alien and uh, and there's quite a lot of quite a lot of trauma for the probably more so than what that character has been through already. You know, and she's got to keep moving, and she's slowly, she's dying as she as she goes through the script, it's through the through the sort of story. You know, and it's through that that she starts discovering her own spirituality. You know, and, and all about her own life, and you know, and, and the challenges that she's faced, and facing up to it once and for all. You know, and this one. Where does it where where does it lead to? You know where 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 does our destiny lie? You know, in the end of the movie, one of them just falls into the ledge. You know, the ending of this one is even more. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it is even more traumatic. And again, is is there sacrifice involved? You know, what is the alien agenda? Because these monks see it as a devil. You know, again, that carried over into the movie. That's what I've always referred to as some sort of devil. Yeah, they see it as a they see it as their retribution, you know, for you know being high, highly religious, and this is the devil coming to do what he's going to do to them. That's probably the one aspect I really wish they would put into the movies as a sort of religious cult aspect. Yeah, yeah, they didn't explore it very well in the movie. You know, there's elements of again, the elements of it remain, but it wasn't it wasn't pushed to the sort of element it, it could have been. Because it goes quite extreme in, in, in this sort of version where it gets really extreme where, you know, the, it does cover the sort of cult thing and how, you know, if you compare it to something like Scientology or something like that, and you know, and where that's the only way, you know, this is, in it, this is the way it must be done. And, you know, in various other cults, it's about sort of forcing you down a road you may not want to be comfortable with, but you have to do it. And there's a lot of that goes on, you know, and then you've got the leader of the monks who is very inflexible. You know, he comes across as a very nice man at the start, but then you see as the sort of story goes on that 
he's actually more controlling than more controlling than what what the the other monks think. You know, and he's pushing another agenda, which again comes out later on. And then there's then there's the the subject of retribution for all the decisions that these characters have made. You know, and then you've got this alien in the middle of it, which gives the retribution. There's a lot of sort of themes running there, which which I'm hoping to I'm hoping we can pull out this script. You know, and and see and people can see the. You know, like I said earlier, can see the franchise. It's it's not just monster movies. I do have to say, you're really hyping me up to come and see this. <laughs> you know, but I'm really excited for this. There's no promises it'll work on it'll work to that level, but that's what my my agenda is to try and pull that out of the script and pull that out of the actors, you know, and pull that out and get the and get the audience emotionally involved in it, you know, and you know guys like me and you have seen alien movies probably a hundred times, but they still draw us in and we still watch them and we still get excited by them and we still get scared by them and we see the the themes that, that are running through there and but this time it's in your face. There's no screen protecting you. You know, because we are putting an interactive element in it. You will get up close and personal with the alien. Oh stop selling this to me, you've already sold it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing though, I think that it's we're very fortunate with the with the with the venue that the FEF shows in a shoestring got us. Where Webster's Theatre is an old church, so um, the minute you, you're walking into this place, you're going to walk into the theatre. There's all going to be the sort of, you know, there's going to we're going to have monks walking around, and you know, where you're, you go for a pre-show drink or something like that. You know, there's all various things going to be happening before you even go into the theatre. You know, so because that's my interactive, because interactive theatre element of it, it's very important to scare Scotland. It's very important to me. And um, I want the audience to be hands-on and feel it. It makes it more memorable. I think so. You know, and I just know from working in interactive theatre, and especially in the horror element of it, which I do, you know, and again, we when going back to the old Alien War days, you know, seeing people's faces when I was, I'm the big Marine, and they'd get attacked by the when they would get attacked by the alien and I would turn I'm shooting this thing and turn around and see their faces and see the fear in their faces, you know, and going, oh my God, get the hell out of here. And my job's to save their life and get them out of there. And, you know, and you're not just sitting in your, your backside in a seat watching it happen, you're in it. Yeah, because for that split second, I think you're there. You know, so we'll have things happening around, not just, so it's, it won't all be on stage. You know, majority of it will, to be honest, but um, it won't all be there. There'll be things going on round about. You know, <laughs> but we're we're putting it's not all going to be pole faced and serious. You know, where we are going to chuck some gags in. You know, because some of the scenes are like, how can you do that without laughing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Plus, there's, there's a scene. You know, again, spoilers here where they. The monks basically meet up to go to the toilet. <laughs> so you've included that scene, yes. <laughs> when it was, I remember when we when we did it in the sort of first one, the first sort of stage version of it we did, we had to put it in 
you know, and one of the and one of the monks is sitting shuffling cards at the same time while he's emptying his barrels. <laughs> <laughs> you can't not put that in. You know? Oh God! And everybody's sort of sitting in these booths, you know, doing their business, and then it's like, you know, hello, all right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the sort of in. You can work out your rest of what's going to happen. You know, one of the one of the the, the monks is going to have a grisly demise. You know, we just hope he wiped first. You know, <laughs> is it like that scene in what's that Stephen King movie Dreamcatcher where he's locked in the toilet? Oh, I wish I could remember it. Something ha- he like shits out an alien and it fucking starts attacking. Him. Aye, <laughs> I will. You know, again, the jokey side of it. So we've, we've chucked a couple of gags in it just to sort of lighten the mood a little bit because it is heavy going. Yeah. You know, it's, it's quite, as I say, it's quite emotional, the movie, and it's quite sort of, oof. It's pulling you into, you know, making you think hard. So we chuck a couple of gags in, you know, just to sort of lighten the mood a little bit. You know, and, and again, it's doing sort of how the thing looks on stage as well because they in this one, you know, and the movie they turned it into a lead works, you know. There's a lead works, but in the, the the wooden planet, they 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 make bottles, they blow glass, and um, so we're we're working out how do we get that to work on stage, you know. And so there's that. So we've, we've, the start of it's quite sort of light hearted, you know, when they're sort of in their sort of glass blowing bit, and we've got a few sort of silly moments going there, but uh, and then obviously the sheep moment. <laughs> You know, and then we're, we're currently actually trying to work out how we ping a face hugger across the stage <laughs> landing somewhere. Just do the way they did it in the one of the 40th anniversary shorts where you just chuck it across and you make some sort of sound effect like, eep! <laughs> well, there's also a dog in it. Oh, yeah. So obviously we can't use a real dog. <laughs> and uh, this dog sort of... It keeps appearing all through the script. It doesn't do anything of any, no, do anything of any purpose apart from just annoy folk. So we we've sort of got a toy one that we just throw onto the stage and a lead every now and again. And there's a sort of running joke we had in the last ones: are get off and kicks it back off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there won't be any animal cruelty. I promise. There's one point where the dog does do something, but it's I mean it's not like the movie where the alien comes out the dog and all that, but um. Well, there's a chase buster, Bambi buster, whatever you want to call it. So we're working out what we're going to do with the dog right now. <laughs> and do we just go and buy a, a bigger sort of toy dog or do we use a small puppy again? But there were one of the, the monks kept standing on it by accident before he kept kicking it. So I want to put a squeaky toy in it. So he does that. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> We've done that. We threw a couple of gags in it just to lighten the mood, you know. And but that's not to say we're going to take away from from the horror and and, and everything that's exploring. We just want to give people a little breather. You have to though. You can't have a constant ninety minute stretch of heavy. You do need a breather. Yeah, it's it's because it, it is in your face, you know. And you know, but we've got we've got it's a small cast we've got, you know. But we've got eight in the cast, and there's. There's a couple of sort of monks randomly sort of wandering around because you could just fill it with monks and then you wouldn't see anything, you know. Pretty much everyone's whoever criticises Alien Free, like you can't remember the characters; they're all bald. 
Aye. <laughs> this time they're, they're all wearing hoods. <laughs> so pretty much we'll just drag whoever we can in off of Glasgow streets and just stick them in the play. <laughs> ah, well, that's, um, you know, a couple of the... the the, the crew guys didn't even when we were talking to them going so they're going Stevie what are we going to be doing you know and I said well you're going to be taking some of the scenery on and off and you're also going to be a monk and they went what? <laughs> hey they're up for it and the lighting guy we've got is you know and I've just been throwing all these mad ideas at him you know what I want he just nods yep I can do that yep I can do that yep I can do that you know, we never had a lot of lighting in the first, the, the, the test show, as we call it. We only had, had a couple of sort of lights and whatever. But this time we've got a full lighting rig so we can we can get, we, we can suggest the wooden planet with all the colours and and when the, there's a big fire in it and we can suggest all of that. Obviously we can't set the stage in fire. Just burn the church down. Burn the church down. Yeah, but I think it's challenging. You know, it, and when we saw that primary school do it, the school in America do it, you know, as we were talking about there, I was applauded and angry at the same time. <laughs> what they've done is superb, and it's great to see kids, young folk, getting into the franchise, even through that. And what they pulled off was amazing, and if I can pull off half of that, you know, and even better if we can get Sigourney. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. I mean, to be honest, it's just refreshing to actually finally hear from you and the fact that you're so invested in this script that I can already tell production aside that it's going to be brilliant you know we'll, we'll make do with what we have and you know and again it's not a, it's it's about you know with 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 aliens it was all about weaponry and you know and you know sonic ball breakers and all that stuff and, and what they could and all the guns and all the stuff they had don't have that this time what we have is good actors, and we've got a good. What I feel is a is a good script, and I think the story should be told. And I'm not as much as I enjoy the movie Alien Three, the two versions that we know about. I don't want to take away from that either, but I just want people to see film buffs, alien fanatics, whoever wants to come and see it, and maybe just had interest to see. Well, this is what. You could have seen this is what could have been out there, and I think it's a very, very good story worth exploring. And I, I can't say that enough. And it is a good story, and I think we've got the right people to to bring it to life. It's interesting that obviously you're doing this, and we just recently had the Gibson comic as well. Yeah, again, it's, it seems to be the the stars seem to be aligning here, you know. As far as the interest in Alien Three, you know, when the Gibson script got turned into the comic, I actually I personally haven't read it myself yet. I've seen the I've read the script, but I haven't seen what the, the comic yet. I just don't have a chance to go and get it. But um, this resurgence in, of Alien Three seems to be in the works for some reason. You know, and I don't know if that's done a you know Covenant being released and stuff like that. You know, and that people maybe want to look to explore the Alien franchise again. You know, and we, a lot of people didn't like Covenant personally. I thought it was all right, but it was what it was, you know. But uh, it, this interest is generated from it, and people want maybe explore the franchise a bit more. And so the Gibson script came out, and people went, all right, we can appreciate that a bit more. And I've met a few people since 
since covered in zero. I went and watched Alien 3 again recently. The first time I thought it was shite. <laughs> and he said, but I watched it again and I actually enjoyed it. I think it's it was a movie that was out of its time. It should have been released now, I think. Yes. I think uh, if, it, if it came out now, you know, there would be... There would, there, there, I think there'd be more appreciation for it. I think it's it's building again, you know, and you, you know, and whatever, wherever the franchise goes in the next five, ten years, and who knows what Disney are going to do? Yeah, you know, I, I, I just I perish the thought of that, you know. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, like, if where do you see the franchise going, and if you had say a writer's chair or something, where would you like to take it before we close out? Do you know something? I would go back the way with it in the sense this this. There's a story there to be told of LV426. What happened in between the time of between Alien and Aliens before the Marines arrived? You know, when they, when they get cut off and they're on their way and they're in hypersleep and all that sort of stuff. We know that is happening, but this it'll be a good way to introduce new characters. It can be, you know, the characters that we saw in that sort of director's cut Aliens, you know, when you see the crew walking around and the kid in the bike and all that, and then and again the director's cut with Newt's family going out to find the find the derelict and all that sort of thing. That story is there to be told of the attack, you know, the last stand. All I think that should be the next Alien movie. I can't remember who it was, but somebody on one of the fan pages talked about like maybe putting it into like sort of a six episode short TV run, which I would think would be a good idea for us, just so you can get a sense of character, like you said. It'd be, it, you get more time to explore the characters, and obviously with how many uh, how many um, people was it lived in LV four two? So I've forgotten. Hundred around one hundred and fifty. I can't remember the exact number. Well, you know, there's one hundred and fifty characters. You know, you could although that actually you can write for all that, but you get, concentrate on two or three families. You know, and what they, and how they got there, and what the, you know, obviously LV four two six at the time it was. It was a new start for families, and it was hopes and dreams. Hadley's hope, you know, the hopes and dreams of these families that were just devastated because they didn't know what they, what they were getting into, you know. And then you get you've got Wheel and Yutani, who obviously sent them there to be impregnated. That was a kind of yeah, impregnated. You know, that was the whole agenda in the first place. You know, there's such a big such a big story there to be told, and then the whole thing could easily finish. You know, with the you, you see the Salako arriving, you know, and dump and there you go, six seven part series. Yep, in a movie, that'd be a long fucking movie. I I agree because as much as I think that you get a lot of character development, it would be a dark fucking watch. Oh yeah, well I think that's what it needs. To, that's what it needs to be. Yeah, it needs to go you know? back to that because that's what I think Alien Three really shows us. There was no, uh, what's the word, mercy yep. for any characters. Exactly, exactly. See, is Alien Resurrection, uh, okay, it's not a fan, right? I watch it, but I just sort of shrug my shoulders at it. It was too comedic. I thought that, you know, there was some great ideas in it, and I know there was a lot of ideas recycled that weren't used in other movies and stuff, and obviously that thing they stuck at the end, which will remain unmentioned. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> shut up I remember shouting shut up at the screen getting sucked out a window you know 
but it was too comedic, and you know, and it's and it was just you know, it was uh, it just wasn't it wasn't an alien movie to me in a sense because of too many jokes in it, and the, although there's loads of jokes and aliens, they're, they're sort of it's gallows humour. Yeah, uh, and it, it fits in. It doesn't take you out of the experience. Yeah, well, they said well, the resurrection was just like. See, there be, a lot of folks say Alien 3 is absolutely terrible, and they say, well, you haven't seen Resurrection yet, go and sit through that if you can, you know. And see, Alien 3 is, is an absolute masterpiece compared to that, you know. Or AVP Requiem. Well, I'm the same, <laughs> did you mention a film that didn't exist there? <laughs> I remember when those two were, were getting interviewed when they were going to direct that, and they were absolutely getting tore into the first AVP movie, seeing how awful it was, and they were they were going to make this movie for the fans by the fans, and it's going to be the most shit hot movie that you'll ever see with an alien in it. And I remember going to the cinema to see it, and I actually made a complaint to the cinema manager, and um, and I went, look, mate, I mean, there's something wrong with the print you've got. And the manager's going, how what's wrong with it? And I went, I couldn't see anything. It's too dark. <laughs> and he went, no, he says that's the way it is. I went. Are you sure? You don't want to go and turn the contrast button up in your projection room or something? And he went, no, mate. And do you know what he said to me? He went, they're hiding how bad it is. <laughs> so whenever anybody watches it nowadays, I always send them like a screenshot of like night vision goggles that you're going to need these. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think that manager was right in the in city world. He's like, he's like, yep, they're just hiding how bad that movie actually is. That could that almost killed the franchise, I think. But I think Ridley Scott should move on. Yeah. I think, um, you know, as much as I respect him as a director, and, you know, and, you know, and, and without him, we wouldn't have our beloved franchise, you know, and I don't know, when he brought out Prometheus, I was so excited, you know, when you see as much as I enjoy Prometheus for what it was, there's so much in here not explored that just left hanging, and then some of the characters are like, "What? What are you even doing?" You know, and and it, but it looks fantastic, and some of the stuff, what you know, routes they could have went down, they didn't do, and I don't know how a, a director of that esteem could have let that out in the state in the form it came in, the form it went out in. Yeah, because, I mean, story parts aside, there's absolutely glorious visuals in both of the oh, movies. planetary entry sequence in Prometheus and IMAX was something else entirely. Oh, yeah. I but, mean, it's, it's what you say, it's a fantastic-looking movie, you know. I went to see it the first time in this thing called 3DX. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Where you sat there in this chair, it moved around and stuff, and see when the Prometheus is turning turning round and, and you see the big sort of things with the skull at the top, I can't remember what they're called and it turning round and the chair turns with you that, that was like I felt I was on the bridge of it, you know I was like, oh this is amazing, you know I'm and pretty it, sure there was an updated version in America where they actually have like wind blowing towards you and water effects and whatnot. Yeah, if they're not there's not a cinema in Glasgow, they've built something like that in it recently, sort of I think it's quite water and smells and stuff. I don't know, but I think in, in see, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the you know the one after that for what it was, but I think Ridley Scott is he's 
burnt his bridges with it a bit and needs to let someone else if that's Neil Blomkamp but I think he's moved on to Robocop now yeah there was a recent article coming out about him using the original Robocop suit for the so, new movie and I mean creatives change over time how long has it been it's been 40 years since the first Alien came out <laughs> Ridley Scott's tastes and his motivations for wanting to create something have passed it's the same way everyone's like Oh, look, Jim Cameron might come back. I would not want James Cameron anywhere near this franchise right now because, in, in my opinion, he, he's just lost his edge. You, don't get me wrong, he's a great filmmaker, but... You know, he lost it for me after True Lies. Once yeah. he got True Lies, True Lies was his last good movie, I think. You know, even, you know, you, everybody goes on about Titanic and how fabulous it is. It's an awful movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, is it, you know, the ship fucking sinks, right? Okay, go home, you know. And and then the ones with the blue smurfs, you know. And <laughs> Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how he thinks that franchise has got legs, because I remember going to the and I think Sigourney Weaver's in it as a favourite him. You know, and I remember going to the cinema to see that and being bored. I'm like, this is just, it looked, again, it looks fantastic. But he's putting substance in there that's that he there's a substance in there that's not there that he thinks is there, if you know, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and he's gonna do another three of them apparently. I, well, I think I'll wait for the D V D for that one, you know. Because he had a certain edge when he made things like the first two Terminators and Aliens. Yes, definitely, you know, and you know it's, and he, some of the stuff he he wrote as well, didn't direct, you know, he's you know, he he was a script doctor for years and you know, there was some couple of scripts he'd done, and he, again, he, they, they seem to get into a mode where you just cruise, don't they? Yeah. And, and, the, and he, I don't know, but, he, but it was ironic though, because he had a dig at Fincher. That's because he, uh, I think Fincher essentially wanted to spit in the face the, the second alien from and kill him off. Yeah. You know, and I understand that Jim Cameron can be a bit difficult, you know, and. You know, there's there's all stories going around about how hard he can be to work with and all that sort of stuff. And you've got to be when you're a director in a sense where you know you're in control of everything, everything's on your shoulders. You know, and it's there's a lot of responsibility. And when you're making a film as sort of iconic as an alien movie, you know, he he did the right thing with aliens by going right. I can't remake the first one, so let's just go balls out here. You know, and and Fincher had, was like, well, I can't remake that. You know. So, but let it go. And it was Fincher's first movie, whereas Jim Cameron yes. at least had the Terminator. Aye, definitely, aye. But Cameron just wouldn't let it go. And, you know, he'd moved on, he'd moved on, he'd done some other things. And his emotional thing to Hicks and his emotional attachment to Hicks and, and Newt were still there. And he, if he were really that interested in it, he should have went and done, done Alien 3 himself. You know? He's fantastic director. Aliens love it to bits, you know, but he chose not to do Alien Three, you know. So he can't. I don't think he's got the right to whinge about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like it's now a case of where everybody's looking it's like, what director would we, would we like to helm the next movie? And I'm just sitting here thinking, it's like, see if they announce Christopher Nolan or Denny Villeneuve, I'd be set. I, do, I really don't know who could do it. You know, I don't know if Blomkamp was even the right guy. I, I think with Blomkamp, I saw a lot of visuals in his previous movies that 
looked like they fit into the Alien universe. But at the same time, it's the idea to bring Sigourney back, uh, it's just never sat well with me. Yeah, I felt exactly the same. You know, as I said earlier, there's no need the character, let the character go. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver said it herself that the character's got, that's her finished. In the Alien 3, sorry, that's it, done. Still came out, okay, slightly different character in Resurrection, but why? There's no need for, yeah, Ripley, you were fantastic. You're dead. Good night. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Peace out. All right, they've tried to do something with Covenant when they've got the new character, but, you know, but uh, again, it's a Ripley clone. Yeah, I mean... You know, there's a lot of nods to the Ripley character in there, and, you know, and they didn't need to do that, and I think that's its biggest weakness is, is in, in, in Covenant. You know, they should have tried to do something else, for a different... It doesn't have to be a woman, you know? Although, you know, James Cameron writes strong women. You know, but it didn't need to be a woman in that in that in that movie. Oh, I mean, uh, I'm going to sound like a complete sexist, but I wouldn't mind a guy as a lead character just for a change. I mean, yeah. or say, for instance, do what they did with the original, where they give you a handful and they don't really give an individual a large amount of screen time, more of an equal one, and they'll let the <laughs> surprise you with the lead character. Aye. Well, look how when Alien, you know, Ripley wasn't even the lead. No, I was saying originally billed as Tom Skerritt for Tony. Yeah, Bar. yeah, he well, he's sorry, he's billed first sorry, right? Aye. But you know, he was he was at the top of his game then, you know, and and but she, the, the character was that strong it came through, and just don't you see your writing? You know what I mean? And I don't think it was ever intentionally done that way. You know, I think the, the Skerritt's character, you know, was killed off as for shock value. You know, because he was going down into the sort of into the tunnels being Mr. Brave Guy and, you know, there you go. Uh, that's yeah. what happens to the brave guys. <laughs> I, I think they wrote, I, I think it was an, an unintentional mistake in some, and when they wrote themselves into a corner with it, went, oh shit, we've killed off the lead character here, what are we going to do? Improvise, quick. <laughs> oh, you'll do. You know, and it was an accidental success, because I don't think it was, a, it was just meant to be a, 90 minutes or here, there's a. And when, when, they, when Ridley Scott and Giger all came in, all this other stuff just grew out of it, you know, that we all see, and Giger being the designs, the, the creature and stuff, and we're like, oh no, 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 no. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the original design of what the alien was supposed to be when it was oh, called. Oh, terrific. Yeah, it was still called, was it Space Beast or something at that point? Yeah. And you're like, it looked like. <laughs> they put that in it, it would have looked like the worse than the first ever Predator. You know? <laughs> but I think we're not going to see like any decent sized production, like movie or TV wise, at least until Disney can finally get nailed down what they actually want from it, what direction they want to go in. But it's just uh, it's great to see the fact that we've got so much stuff coming out, including your project. But um, I, think, I don't think Disney will kill it. I know there was stories about the road that Disney don't want it and they want to kill it off and all that. But Disney, if you look past Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all these but the nice wee characters that they put out, Disney is a money-making machine. That's yeah. what, what it's about. And if no matter how awful or great or bad or whatever an alien movie comes out, people will watch it, it will make money, there will be merchandise, there will be all this sort of you know, alien day and all that stuff. And Disney aren't going to turn that away. But what they need to do properly is an alien ride, a proper one. 
back in the vein of Alien War, because I know they've done them before, and, you know, where people are in and an alien pops out a window and you just laugh at it, you know? You want to be put in the middle of the movie again. <laughs> exactly. I, I really want to see that. But um, I think we've been recording for nearly an hour and a half, so I think we should just... And I've been waffling like... <laughs> Oh, dude, it's been a, it's been a fun time, man. Um, I just so where can people go to see this, and what days is it showing specifically? It's in Webster's Theatre on October the third, fourth, and fifth. Um, yep, yeah, is that the right dates? Sorry. Um, tickets are available on the website. On you just go to Webster, just Google Webster's Theatre, and the ticket link will come up. Um, there's also a if you if we have the GoFundMe if you wish to contribute towards and become a producer of it and there's various things you'll get freebies and all that sort of stuff and photo shoots and various things that we all give you I can send you the links to them later if you want yeah we'll post them in the description for me to up the episode so we want we, we want people to get involved in it that's what part one it helps pay for it and you'll get or you'll get a mention and there's various sort of things we can give you for that. And uh, yeah, that's and you can and if you look up Scare Scotland as well on Facebook, and we're also at www.scarescotland.co.uk, and uh, there's also www.showsinashoestring.co.uk who are the producers, and you can also find all that in Facebook as well. I can send you those links. Yeah, because I mean, no doubt you'll be uh, giving us updates on Building Better Worlds. Is- I really yep. implore everyone to with it. Um, we're we're going to. I'm hoping that we're going to film some sort of small promo film for it, just a sort of maybe a wee thing lasting maybe about forty seconds, just as a taster thing of what people are going to expect, you know. And um, that's this. And what I've enjoyed about doing that mostly is I've got to write that myself rather than use someone else's script. Yeah. And um, so just to give a, people a, a taster of what the show's going to be like. But it's an exciting time. It is. And I really implore folk to, even if you're down south in England, come up because it's, it's going to be a, a good time. And I think I'm coming on, I think, Friday? Friday? I need to check right. again. Right, but thank you very much for, for your support and, you know, and showing your interest in this. It's it's people like yourself who, who love the franchise and even who, you know, because we can't make these things without the interest. No. You know, and, and and I hope when you come along, you enjoy it, and and if you feel you want to maybe talk to the other cast about their experiences of it and stuff, because some of the the cast, like I said, they're, they're new to the franchise and they're finding it quite exciting. What they're exploring as actors and stuff, you know. And it's great to see something like this in Scotland, because like I said a lot earlier, it's always in England or America, and <laughs> you know, it's great to see it locally. yeah, you know the the. the you know, there's in the Alien franchise has got a Scottish connection with Alien War. You know, it moved from Glasgow, then it went to London, and and it toured around Scotland first. And you know, so we, we and, and you know how our Scots are. You know, we we we're we're, we're a passionate race. You know. Oh yeah, and we, we are. And when, when we take something under our wing, we we own it. You know, <laughs> it's ours. You're not getting it. You're not getting it back. You know. <laughs> So we're we're claiming the Alien franchise up here, and we're starting off with Alien Three. You know, I might even let you have a shot at my pulse rifle when you're there. <laughs> oh, please bring it along. <laughs> I've got, I've got someone got me one as a gift a few years ago, and 
I was like, oh, I really cried when I got it. I was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what else I could, I, you know, I'm, I'm just so excited this is happening. I didn't think it would. When we did it the first, the first wee time, it was a bit of fun. Never thought it would go anywhere. And they said, I got that out of my system. And then someone said, ah, we're going to do this again. Alien 3 Resurrection. No, that doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be a good show, if I do see so myself. We have a shit-hot cast. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of passion going into it. And, you know, and we're working hard to make it. Nobody's, and nobody's done anything like this. Putting us an unwritten script onto a stage because we have no guidance. We don't even have a film to follow where we can steal things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we, we have nothing. It's all, I've got to create these, these... I've got to get this onto a stage and make it work. You know, I sort of understand where the directors are coming from a bit now. <laughs> well, I think it's even harder I just to don't, put a movie just, script to a stage play. Yeah. Well, I just don't have 35 million to put it on. Though, so. <laughs> Not yet. Be wishful. <laughs> Believe you me, if, I don't, if, if this turns out to be successful, I will run a mile and I will never do it again. <laughs> but. Well, I did say that last time as well, you know, because I, I direct scare attractions all the time, you know, and you, you hear you stand there and scare the shit out of him there and you scare the shit out of him there, you know, I do all that. I'm getting a bit old to be running around and all that now, you know, but um, I just feel we've got something special here. And thanks to Vincent Ward and for writing it. You know, I, I'm just sort of sad that it never made it on its screen. And I hope we do it justice for him. I hope we do it justice for the Alien fans. You know, and I hope I hope we for my small contribution to, to the Alien franchise. And I hope people remember it because people remember Alien War fondly. A lot of old fans, yeah, really remember it fondly. Yeah, you know, and and I remember fondly for being going to it, and then being in it, you know, as a character in it. So this is my contribution now. This is this is Stevie Douglas from Scare Scotland. So I love the Alien franchise that much that I'm going to let you see bits of it that you didn't know existed. Oh, honestly, Stevie, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been really good talking to you, and thank you for having me. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.